Today on We Need to Talk, we have part two of our talk about phobias, also known as part two of our Halloween episode. What do we do? Well, we have a Q&A sort of thing or a list or something that we do and we go through it. Have I edited the episode at the time of recording this? No, so I forget what this is about. So, hey, guess what? You guys, we need to talk. Uh, agoraphobia, fear of a situation where escape may be difficult, 0.9%. Um, says that there's a, it's defined a lot of different ways, but uh, it's known as a fear of a situation where escape may be difficult or where help will not be able to reach them in case of an emergency. Um, other definitions include the fear of living alone, fear of crowds, or fear of having a panic attack in public. Uh, people with agoraphobia tend to think places outside of their home are unsafe. Mm -hmm. Yep. So do you have any experience with that meter? Um, no, I mean, I spend most of my time in my house, but it's not because I'm afraid of the outside world being unsafe. It's just because the outside world sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just preferential. If, if you had to go to like a mall or go to mm -hmm. like a big event, a roller coaster or anything like that, you'd mm -hmm. be fine with it. You wouldn't be like afraid. I, I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yep. Whereas someone who was agoraphobic uh, would be very hesitant to do that because they wouldn't feel like they were safe. Mm -hmm. What about you? So this is something I've actually struggled with uh, a decent bit. And it kind of goes into a couple of different things. And kind of like they said there that uh, panic attacks or like negative experience in general can kind of cause that. And like ag agoraphobia is a very kind of general loose term. Uh, agoraphobia or agoraphobia, who knows how to pronounce it. Uh, but it's a very sort of general thing. So it can be as specific as let's say that uh, you get assaulted at your workplace, right? And you, you, you know, decide you, like things get figured out. You're about to go back to work, but you just can't bring yourself to go back there because there's just that negative presence of negative kind of feelings there. That's a slight form of agoraphobia. It's not generalized to everything, right? But you had some negative experience there and going back to that causes you to relive those negative experiences. So you choose to avoid it. It can get more generalized where you just start avoiding going out altogether because going out is kind of associated with the unsafeness. And so kind of going back to my whole thing. So uh, I've had a couple of different issues and uh, it, it might ultimately be some sort of like a blood pressure sort of related thing, like st still getting that figured out with the doctors, but uh, kind of developed some panic type, panic attack type stuff, right? Uh, that's also to do with like excess weed consumption too, that <laughs> kind of caused the triggers. But uh, anyway, so you start getting these panic attacks and then you start trying to figure out what it is and your body is very smart, but also kind of dumb because it just starts to associate the panic with whatever happened around that time. And if whatever reason associates this, like say being in a store or uh, being at a, an event or uh, being around certain people or whatever it might be, if it associates those two things together, the panic signal is going to get triggered before you even have a chance to stop it. Hmm. Some people are like, like, uh, oh, I, I just have to quell these negative thoughts. Like, for me, when I've had these experiences, it's not like I have negative thoughts. It's just like, boom, like, like panicky sensations. And I, my body just starts acting before I can even get a chance to think. And so I, I've definitely experienced that. And where it gets tough is the more you kind of 
increase your anxiety or your kind of uh, fear or whatever, or you start overthinking what could happen, everywhere becomes kind of unsafe place. And then this kind of gets restricted to, to don't, the only places where you can maybe control or at the very least not suffer any, say, negative social impact of your, uh, of your issues. Uh, so for myself, uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm like full grade agoraphobia anymore or anything like that. But I would definitely say that like, you know, I have issues with dizziness. And so I always have to feel like I have to be somewhere close to like something I can grab onto uh, d- just just to get my like get my uh, balance back. Because if I have like a quick spike there, you, you know, it, it might be kind of bad. And usually that's not so much an issue. Uh, but it, 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 there's certain weeks where it is an issue. But th- that's kind of like a, a, a bit of agoraphobia. It's a little bit of working with it too. But it's something that I've definitely experienced and it's it's not good. Uh, and what we really have to do to fix it is just to start exposing yourself, uh, decouple that those negative sensations with the actual experience by just experience them, right? Because the whole thing is you're avoiding those sensations, avoiding those areas. And you will still experience those sensations when you go there. But if you let them happen and kind of just experience it, you can kind of nullify those those sensations make them not so important and eventually they start dying down so hmm. that's my long tirade on that uh, i'll let you I'll let you uh, comment on it or react yeah i mean i figured that was was going to be your um the the one on this list that you connected with the most for sure um given uh you know the the history there so um but it's always good to see when people are able to to overcome some of these things and at least start to not have them have as much of an impact on themselves anymore mm-hmm. yeah and, and the, there's still like some carryovers there like i will always prefer like a an end seat as opposed to a middle seat uh and part of that is just like practicality i don't want to like move around a bunch of people to get out Must also because like there is always that fear in the back of your head where if you can't get out easily, then, you know, you, you might start stumbling on people or whatever, or it, it might kind of go wrong. But, but, you know, some of the steps you have to take to kind of avoid that is to force yourself to take that middle seat, you know, to do it anyway. And just to, to use whatever relaxation techniques or kind of, you know, is that your arsenal to kind of control yourself? Not easy, but, you know, it's kind of the only way to do it misophobia the fear of germs 13.2 percent of the u.s population um they might also be called a germaphobe they may also be afraid of dirt or getting dirty where germs might be present Mm -hmm. you uh you got fear of germs uh i would say no i mean i I like to be clean uh i i i don't like the idea of not being you know being dirty but uh it's hard to say i would have a fear of germs i guess i think germs is this really stupid term because they don't really exist or it's just like it's a stand-in for like bacteria but it's negative bacteria but you don't really know if the bacteria is negative unless there's some sort of like sign and usually what people are afraid of are things they can't see right like if you look at like a like a some bread and it's got mold on it you can see that mold right so it, it makes sense to have a fear of that mold because mold is generally bad or even if it's not bad, you don't know if it's not bad, you know, bad or whatever. 
but germs like people will wash their hands a lot and they're trying to get rid of the germs but they really don't know what they're getting rid of like there's no like null hypothesis there unless they get a microscope and kind of look at what they're washing away so that's where i think germs are a little bit of a bullshit term like I, i do think that it's a useful term because you have negative bacteria and you know and good bacteria or whatever but it's just kind of kind of a bit out there but I'm, I'm kind of going on a little bit of a, a rant there. Uh, Meter, what's, what's your thoughts on germs? Uh, I don't really have any problem. I think that my, um, I very rarely get sick, maybe once a year. Uh, so my body just does a really good job of defending itself. Mm. And uh, I think part of that is because I don't go overboard on the the germ stuff. Um and that's not to say I'm dirty by any regards. Uh, I, I wash, but not like excessively to the point where like every two minutes I'm hand sanitizing or whatever. Um, so I, I definitely not a fear of mine. Um, mm. Maybe if I was a doctor, a little, I'd have a little more of a fear of it because then I could like kill somebody with germs. Yeah. But as a just normal person living, you know, working a desk job, not really something I'm concerned with. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think we do over sanitize things a little too much. And certainly there's some populations that are affected by that to a large degree, like particularly people with autoimmune diseases such as like cancer or uh, um, I think AIDS is one too. So th- those are instances where a fear is very rational. Uh, but I think generally people could opt for a bit more uncleanliness in maybe their food or themselves in general like not to extreme extent like i'm not saying don't don't stop using deodorant don't stop washing yourself right don't don't stop bathing and stuff but also like if something falls on the floor and the floor is relatively clean like you could just wash it off and eat it some people will just throw out like a whole steak or whatever and and this seems incredibly useful like useless or or wasteful Mm -hmm. it's kind of like things in nature aren't really that clean and our ancestors didn't really have a great way of cleaning things they might have a little river and stuff but that river's not that clean like what we had in the past was really unsanitary but it's fine because we have an immune system that can kind of fight back against that and your immune system can get really good at fighting back at things things the more it kind of gets practice with it it could go wrong you could pick up something which it can't fight back against in which case you know you're in for a world of hurt but I think in general, most things are going to be all right for you and just got to be somewhat selective, you know, smart about it. You know, don't go overboard. Don't, don't, don't eat like things that haven't been sanitized or are likely to be, you know, say germ ridden, you know, to an extreme, but also don't like think too hard about it. And like, oh, it's this have too many germs in it. You're, mm-hmm. you're probably fine. Uh, claustrophobia, fear of small spaces. of the U.S. population. Uh, Scope can vary from a confined area like a closet or elevator to being trapped in a crowded room where others are the ones invading one's personal space. Um, Yeah. Uh, Talk to me about claustrophobia, Nathan. So it's, it's something I've experienced, but it's usually more tertiary effect than it is like a direct effect, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've never, I don't have claustrophobia at all or, but, but it's like, 
if I've ever had a panic attack and I'm in a small space, that small space makes that panic attack far worse. Mm -hmm. I think open spaces are just much more relaxing. So that's kind of my, my, my own experience with it. Uh, and uh, I can kind of see where the fear might come from for people because like usually very small enclosed spaces are kind of death traps in nature. Like th think of yourself in a cave and that cave collapses. Like your, your claustrophobia there is very well founded because good luck getting out of that. Or even like if you're trapped under snow or dirt or anything you can imagine, like typically being in a small space like that is not good, but we kind of put ourselves in small unnatural spaces. And I, I think that just triggers that response for some people could be other things too. Of course, you know, I can't really pathologize or psycho psychoanalyze this kind of stuff too much. But that that's kind of how I think it plays out. Uh, how about yourself, Meter? Um, for me, it's suffocation. So I don't like things being like over my mouth and face. Uh, I'm fine in a crowded elevator or a crowded room or whatever. Um, a lot of times crowded rooms are because of like parties or concerts and the energy there is awesome. Like I love that. It's like the idea of being in a coffin or even like sleeping face down with my face in a pillow. That's completely outrageous to me. There's no possible way I could do that. That it's, I'm like, I'm going to suffocate and die. Um, hmm. So that's the, that's the closest to claustrophobia I have is literally not feeling like I'm actively being suffocated. Hmm. So meter, mm -hmm. you're going to disappoint the ladies on that one. Oh yeah, why is that? No fee sitting. I'm gonna let that one go because it was all the three comments I had were not nearly appropriate. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no no good sentence on that one. <laughs> let me uh, adjust my suit real quick for that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I can empathize with the claustrophobia to a degree, just not to the um, massive extent of, you know, the. it has to be a really tight space for me to feel claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then it's really bad. Like if my face is being smothered, it's real bad. I get violent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really get violent? Yeah. My sister used to, we used to do like pillow fights and stuff and then she'd like try and smother my face and I would get fucking frantic. It was bad. So I, I don't like that at all. Hmm. Okay. This is a weird thought here, but, uh, do you think that like drowning or being submerged in the water counts as a sort of claustrophobia because they're surrounded by something or no, that probably doesn't work because you can still move. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure there's a different, word a different phobia for those things fear of drowning probably has its own and yeah yeah i mean the su fear of suffocation is probably what what we're talking about there uh -huh. just the fear of not being able to breathe yeah but i suppose for you it would be like if the space was restricting i, I guess the fear of the, you know claustrophobia would be the primary fear but it's also kind of like the environmental change increases that probability and that can make makes you uneasy i, I it's kind of one and the same or they're related Right, because ultimately, yeah, asphyxiation is a function of a closing environment or a closed environment. With mm -hmm. you know that, 
now we're getting super technical. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the closed environment would have to be really, really, really closed, like a coffin mm-hmm. where, you know, something is right in front of your face. Uh, and then it's more just the feeling of like something is on my face that I don't like. Yeah. On my mouth, on my whole breathing area. Yeah. I think I'd be fine with being in a coffin. So, so that's not what would trip me out about it. But what would trip me out is that like I'll just keep worrying if like there was a secret latch on it and it happened to like latch itself shut when I wasn't paying attention when I closed it and that nobody's going to be around to like, you know, get let me escape or something. Like mm-hmm. I'll come up with all these weird irrational fears about how like reasons why I can't get out of the coffin now, mm-hmm. but it's not the space. It's more like the worry that somehow that coffin got locked shut well, yeah, I mean, like, I, if I'm laying on my back and I put a pillow over my face, like, I can just move the pillow. That's not stressful to me. It's the idea of not having control over mm. that, like somebody actively suffocating me with a pillow or being in a coffin that I can't open the door to because there's dirt on top of it or falling asleep face down where I no longer have control over my body. Like, it's going to do what it's going to do. So those are those are the situations where... I feel claustrophobic when I don't have control over something directly uh, suffocating me, more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. The last one is glossophobia, the fear of public speaking, which over 25%, 26.2% of the U.S. population has a fear of public speaking. Um, it says it can vary widely from being very nervous to being unable to speak at all while standing on a stage in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. You have uh, you like public speaking, Nate? I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've always done pretty well with it somehow. Uh, I mean, maybe not always, but it's one of those things where if I'm put into that role, I'm just decently good at it, and I think part of it is just my naivety. Uh, or just my way of speaking kind of throws people off. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, you've seen me speak a couple times, and there's mm-hmm. been some times where I've just, like, not prepared for a speech and just kind of started doing one, and it came out all right. Uh, I, I think it's something I'm just kind of okay with. There's been some times where I do get inside my head prior to the speech, and I do feel a bit of nerves there giving it, but usually that's, you, you, usually that's worried about, like, uh, I don't know, miscommunicating or something going wrong during it but i don't know i think it's general worries right because i think if you have no concerns before a speech you're not really planning properly or you're not thinking enough about like certain aspects but yeah i can't say i've ever i don't know i, I kind of like giving speeches i think it's kind of fun mm-hmm. I, and, and i think this might be a function here where we have conversations and you know works out just great i think it's fun how, how about yourself I used to be much more afraid of it. And then in college, I took a public speaking course. And for whatever reason, since then, I've just been fine with it. Uh, I get general nerves, but it's not really bad at all. Um, So, no, I I wouldn't say I have a fear of public speaking. I can do it. Um, And I've constantly put myself in those situations to do it more because I didn't like it before. And I I used to freeze up. And now I don't. Mm Mm-hmm. I think what would give me more of a fear of kind of like public speaking or that sort of thing is if I didn't have control of the situation. 
Uh, so like, it, okay, imagine like I'm doing stand-up comedy. That's a form of public speaking. And I can control my jokes and everything, but then let's say the audience starts like, I don't know, heckling and throwing stuff at me and stuff, you know, that, that, that I would have some fears of, especially if I was going to go back up on stage at some point, you know, starting thinking about those negative events. Uh, one instance where it wasn't, I guess it's not a fear, but it definitely brought a lot of anxiety into me is there was uh, this thing we did in high school where essentially we had a trial for a, a book. So a book and a character, you know, a, a character in a book like killed somebody or maybe killed somebody. That's mm-hmm. kind of the question. So part of the class was prosecuting him and the other part was defending him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I was up on stage for that and I was like the, the main lawyer uh, with my other lawyer friend, I guess, but I was the main person there. And uh, I was doing all right, but then what kept on happening is like the, the, the microphone kind of stopped working. So they had to have me stay in one particular place. And then th- that'd be one thing enough, right? So now I can't get my energy out and I can't like, I, I speak with my hands, right? So I couldn't do that much any longer and whatever. But then also the judge kind of start interfering, kind of like think, throwing things off the rail from every other case that was going on because he had something against me or I think he was putting me to my chops. I, I don't know. I think it was tough love maybe, but I, the, the circumstance I should have been in was not what was ideal to me. So I just got thrown off and that started creating anxiety because I started to lose control of the nice situation. Whereas mm. the first half of the trial, I had like control of the situation. I was calm, fine. And I think I was, I, I was like kind of enjoying it then. Yeah. No, I was a lawyer for that too. Um, and, but we were the first people to go on and the judge didn't know what the hell was going on yet because they had never done a mock trial like this before. And I, I slayed it. We, we did a really good job. Yeah. And uh, we ended up winning, winning the verdict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guilty. I think the problem I had is that the judge, like I asked the judge for a bunch of advice before the trial started. Mm-hmm. So I think he, sorry, this was an opportunity for me to, to, to use tough love. But what threw me off the most was like uh, the the defendant's defense claimed uh, was a duress, which is saying mm-hmm. that he did it, but it was under you know uh, the pressure of the circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's not actually liable for the claim. And there's a point where the the witness you know said essentially he did it, but you know he was on a lot of pressure. And then I'm like, okay. And the judge just like kind of started clapping back. It's like, hey, you lawyer, w- why? aren't you, you know, making your case here? He just admitted to killing him. You're missing a giant opportunity here. This is just, what, what are you doing? And it's like, but that, that they claim to duress. I know this, this has already been established. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think he was even paying attention to that case. Fair. Okay, I, I'm ranting, I'm ranting. Going back to high school, I still have a grudge here. It sounds like it. Oh, man. So you're afraid of 